let's invite um, Tash and uh, Jan to come and read to us. We're reading this morning from Luke um, chapter 5 and verses um, 27 to 39. So let's, let's, if you've got a Bible, do open it up. If you're, uh, if you're following on the stream, then uh, do turn to it. And uh, let's listen to these words as they're read to us. Jesus, he is such a captivating character. And over these next um, three sessions, we're going to be thinking about some of the stories that Jesus told. So here's Jesus. It's the context first, and then this short story. We've called it Patches. Do come a little closer, Jan, if you don't mind. Thank you. Lovely. After this went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them in those days they will fast. He told them this parable, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one, otherwise they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No. New wine must be poured into new wineskins, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say, the old is better. Tash, thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tash, and uh, thanks so much to Jan for reading too. Brilliant. Well, this, this is our passage for this morning. And uh, we're reading, as we've said, from Luke uh, chapter 5. And we've called it Patches. So this um, passage, it begins with uh, Jesus. Well, he's walking down the road and uh, people are beginning to get the idea that this Jesus, who 30 or so years before had been born in a manger, is this very unusual and wonderful character. And they're beginning to form these ideas of what a wonderful character should be, and particularly what kind of characters a wonderful God-like character should be associating with. And as Jesus walks down the road in um, verse 27, he sees a person who is viewed by the whole of culture as a, as a loser, as a uh, con person, as a traitor, somebody who's undermining things as they should be, and, uh, and they think they know what Jesus is going to say to this guy. 
I don't know whether you look at your own history and you think, well, if God were in town walking past my patch, what would he be saying to me? And perhaps you're thinking, well, he would be holding me at arm's distance. Well, that's certainly what this character, Levi, was thinking as he was sitting in his tax booth. You see, he was sitting there taking money from his own people to give it to the occupying power. And uh, so everybody thought they knew what Jesus was going to say when he saw him. But you might want to have a look. In verse 27, he says this, follow me. Jesus said to him, follow me, Jesus said to him. And you know, Jesus has been saying that through the beginning of the account of his life to various different people. But this one is a real shocker because it's the man who's betrayed everyone, who's let everybody down. And Jesus says to him, follow me. And you know, that call of Jesus, the follow me, call of Jesus continues to resonate through history even to this moment today. The Jesus who is the God of heaven come here, he calls each person, even the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low, he says, follow me. Even the proudest of the proud, the highest of the high, he says, follow me. And what is perhaps even more surprising is what happens next. Jan just read it to us in verse 28. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Well, Levi now holds a great banquet and invites lots of his other mafia friends to come and join with meeting Jesus too. He is just thrilled that this one would say to him, follow me. You can be with me. Associate with me, he says. And so in verse 29, a large crowd of tax collectors and others eat with them. This is really reforming our idea, and certainly those of that culture's idea, of who God has come for. You know, there are people in palaces and grand houses who are parallel to this moment, and they're missing out on it all. Because Jesus has come to this man, Levi, the outsider, the one on the fringe, the one on the margins. And the insiders the Pharisees, those who, well, everybody else would say, well, they're so good. You know, God himself would have to welcome them in. They're so clean. You should see what they're like, these law keepers. And they become very cross. And in verse 30, they say, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belong to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners. You see, their sense of outrage has been really opened up. You see, they view, well, they view things a bit like this. They say, look, if, if you are going to get to God, well, you need to kind of climb up a, a ladder. You need, to, you need to reach up towards him.
just got to do the right things. You've got to step up. You've got to reach up. You've got to get higher. You've got to reach him by what you do, by your effort. And they say, well, look at Levi. What's he done? He's done nothing. Why could you come to him and just say, follow me? And then Jesus gives this massive, punchy answer. And it's in verse 31. Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus leans forward to these people. You know, he loves them too, these kind of do-gooders. But he also understands that their sense of, well, I've got to climb the ladder to get to God, is actually stopping them ever connecting with him at all. And so he tells this very short little story. He says, look, if you're sick, you don't go to the doctor, do you? It's only the people, if you're sick, you go to the doctor. If you're not sick, you don't go to the doctor, do you? It's only if you're sick that you go to the doctor. And he's saying, look, if you think you don't need a saviour, if you think you're just going to get up the ladder by yourself, well, you're not going to connect with the God of heaven. But if you realise that you need a rescue, if you realise that spiritually you're unwell, spiritually you're sick, spiritually you're not going to make it by yourself, then that's who God has come for. That's who I'm here for, Jesus is saying. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And their minds are are now kind of going into gear. You can see steam coming out of their ears as they're thinking so hard. And uh, you can also see steam coming out of their ears because they're so cross about what Jesus is saying. It's as if Jesus is saying to them, look, all of your hard work and efforts, all the law that you've been obeying, all of the gnats that you've been straining out to make sure that you don't have anything with with blood in it, well, all of that, thinking that that by itself is going to connect you with God, well, that ladder climbing is not going to get you there. And these religious people are angry. And it might be that as we are here this morning or we're listening on YouTube later today, that we also feel angered by this. But surely, if God came to town, he should come to me. I'm I'm good enough, aren't I? Look at the things I do. Look at the people I help. Well, the message that Jesus is saying is that his coming is the necessary rescue for everybody, not just for those who are utterly broken and realize they need a savior, but for the the ones who are really good and on the top of the pile, as they think, too. But they need to realize that they need a rescue. That's what it is that Jesus is saying. And it's then that Jesus tells this parable. He gets asked a question about fasting. Why aren't, it's another element of following the rules. Why aren't you? And he answers by this parable in verse 36. And he talks about different clothes, first of all, and then he talks about wineskins. 
Now, as well as my ladder, I've got my best shirt. So here's my best shirt. Um, it's nice and clean and, and white and uh, even got clothes pegs holding it on. And uh, Jesus says, look, well, why you wouldn't get your nice shirt and rip a bit out of it to fix your dodgy shirt, would you? That would be nuts. That would be stupid. Why would you take your nice shirt and tear a patch out of it and put it onto your dodgy shirt? And he's saying to them, look, you've got to start completely again. Should have thought about the ergonomics. You've got to start completely again. If you're thinking that you're going to get to heaven and that meeting me is just a little extra, if you're thinking you're going to make it by your own power and that knowing me is just an extra rung on the ladder... Well, you're wrong. You've got to completely start from scratch again. You don't tear a, a patch from a new garment to patch an old one. We've got to start from scratch, start all over again. And he says another parable in verse 37. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wines will, will run out and the wine skins will be ruined. Now, for our culture, that's a little unusual. We don't really understand so much about wine skins. But the picture is this. You've got fresh, new, acidic wine and you get the old wine skins and pour the fresh, new, acidic wine in and it just cuts through, bursts it open, and the wine is spilt, and the wineskins are ruined too. And he says in verse 38, no, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. So he's saying to them, look, this message of a rescue from God can't be just a little patch on all you were thinking before. Instead, it has to be you starting from complete beginnings again. We can't say that all the good things I've done have got me halfway there and now knowing Jesus is going to get me the rest of the way. No, we need a rescue from the ground up. We need a totally new start. And that is what Jesus has come to bring. And that is what he's calling these Pharisees who he loves to respond as they he wants them to realize that all that they have been doing well it's not getting them halfway there and they need a top up or nine tenths of the way and they just need the extra step no the message of Jesus is that there's no ladder that will get us there instead Jesus has come to us and he's died on a cross to come to the rescue so that we could experience forgiveness and life in all its fullness. And then he tells one more thing right at the end of this passage in verse 39. He says this, No one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. You see, this is a really challenging last comment. 
You see, these people who are so committed to getting themselves to heaven by their own goodness, to connecting to God by their own power and their own sortedness, he's saying to them that they're kind of addicted to that cycle. And he's saying to them that they're not actually going to make it at all if they continue to hold on to that. They're gonna, there's this longing to keep on in that old way of thinking. And Jesus is saying to them, you need to let it go and instead embrace the rescue that I bring. Well, it's a short passage and it leaves us with a very simple question. Who am I trusting for my rescue? Am I trusting my own goodness and my own power, my own sortedness and my own efforts? Or am I instead laying down everything that I've tried to do and saying to Jesus, look, I need a rescue. We've got some pigeons that live on our roof. They are hiding under the solar panels. I don't know if you've got any of those at yours. And uh, we've tried all sorts of things, tapping from the inside to get them to fly away. But uh, they are stuck in there. And uh, one of them is called Tipex. I think he's here to stay. Um, Faye's named him Tipex because he's kind of brown, but then this white splash all over him. And uh, some of us, well, we've been eating turkey or we've been eating ch chicken. Somebody said to me they could have just eaten a pigeon, actually, because uh, there were so few people around for Christmas lunch in these strange days. But in some places they eat pigeons. And uh, imagine this, one day out in a the marketplace, there's Tipex and his friends all pacing round. They've been caught, you see, and they're tied by a piece of string to a stick. And they're walking round and round this stick because any minute now, somebody's going to come into the market and they're going to buy one of them to put it into the lunch that is coming up. And then one day, this stranger comes along and he he. He says, I'll buy the whole lot. He feels sorry for these poor pigeons pacing round and round. And, uh, and so he buys the whole lot and he, and he cuts the string. And uh, the owner says, of the, the former owner, the market holder, he says, well, look, do you want me to finish them off now or do you want to do them at home? And he goes, no, no, no. I've bought these pigeons so that they can be free. And these pigeons whose whole life had just been going around in this miserable circle, suddenly they're, they're washed off, they're encouraged off of this table and they fly up around the market, curl around and everyone watches. They're free. They had been walking round and round and stuck, but now they're free. And you know, that's a bit like you and me. It's a bit like the whole of humanity. We've had this sense that there's something broken, that there's some standard that we can't live up to, however hard we try. And we try and we try, but we just can't make it. We're going round and round in this circle. And then Jesus comes, and he's not just born in a manger, but he lives and tells stories like this, and then he dies on a cross and he comes alive again. And the message resonates through history that God has come, and he's died on a cross so that we could experience life and forgiveness. And like those pigeons, we can be set free to fly. But if you were in that marketplace that evening, you'd have seen a very strange thing. You'd have seen Tibex and his friends 
they'd finished flying round now. And now that there's nobody in the market anymore, they settle down and land onto the table where they'd been before. And they ruffle out their feathers a little bit. And then, if you were watching, they would just start walking around in a circle again. Why are they doing that? Well, it's because all their lives... As far as they can remember, they've been just walking around in a circle. And now they've, everything is let off, but they just feel more comfortable and more safe like that. And they return to their circle. What a sad picture. And Jesus, he tells stories like this one about patches and wineskins. And he says things like, I've come to save those who need a rescue because he wants to wake us up from thinking that we can return to trying to rescue ourselves. And instead, we need to turn to face him and experience the rescue that comes from trusting him. His grace, his grace that is enough, his grace that is sufficient, his grace, his loving kindness that brings us rescue and safety and life in all its fullness. So as we close this morning, we're going to sing, or we're going to, those of us at home can sing one more song, and those of us here can hum, or we can uh, read the words and, and pray as we listen to, these, um, to this song. But what's the challenge this morning? Well, I think maybe just two things, really. Those of us who love Jesus and follow him, we're on the cusp of a new year. We're working out what is going to be important. How are we going to play this year? What angle are we going to go? And perhaps we're looking with some kind of dread into the new year. Well, the big message of this story is, look, we're not going to live. We're not going to experience life in all its fullness if we go back into that old way of thinking, of thinking that we can rescue ourselves, of trying to climb up ladders. Instead, we want to be those who, even if we've been walking with Jesus for tens of years, who trust in his grace and his rescue and the life in all its fullness that that brings. Some of us might want to come to him this morning and say that we're sorry for the way that we've been thinking. The way that we thought it was because of us making ourselves good enough that meant we could come to him. As we make aims and goals for this new year, let's make them in the light of the God of grace who reaches out to rescue us in the person of Jesus. And then others of us, perhaps we're hearing this kind of message for the first time. Perhaps you're sitting here thinking, but I thought all these people thought that they were so good that God had to open the door to them. And you're hearing this morning, no, no, none of us think that. We think we're not good enough. And Jesus has come to the rescue. And that's the message of, of his life. And perhaps you're thinking this morning that you want to put your trust in Jesus and you could hear stories from many of us on a more ordinary day of the way that we put our trust in him. The way that we recognized that Jesus is God come to the rescue. That we're not good enough to know him, but that he has come to the rescue instead. That Jesus has died so that we could experience forgiveness and life in all its fullness. Some people like to remember it in a very simple way. They want to say, look... Thank you, God, that you're so loving and kind. I'm sorry for all the wrong things I've done. Please, please be my king now. 
please bring that life in all its fullness by your spirit filling me. Thank you, sorry, please. And perhaps some of us at home or some of us here want to say those words to God this morning. We're going to pray and, uh, and then we're going to uh, listen to one more song um, before we close our morning together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can be thinking about these things together this morning. We thank you for this story that you've told, a story where you want to wake us up that we would stop thinking that we could get to you by our goodness, but instead trust in your rescue and your loving kindness to us. Some of us who've been walking with you for a long time, we just need to be reminded of your grace and your loving kindness this morning. And we want to thank you that you have done everything to rescue us, that you want to fill us with your spirit afresh, that you want to empower us to live lives for your glory. And others of us, perhaps for the first time, want to say thank you that you are such a loving and kind God, that you would come in the person of Jesus to the rescue. Sorry for the ways I thought I could rescue myself, Sorry for the things that I've been doing that have been pushing you away and, and pushing others away too. Please forgive me and, and please be my king. Amen.